Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome back to the Run Dot Down post game show here on the Strickland YouTube channel. And if you are listening to this today after the Strickland Podcast Network, Knicks win one twenty six to one twenty, um, bringing our record to thirty one and twenty seven over the Utah Jazz. Um, very very fun game. Um, much to talk about. Uh, um, I guess we can start things off with Josh Hart's debut as a Nick. Um, and way to, you know, make yourself known to the fan base and, you know, make a, a, a first impression, um, 11 points, um, seven rebounds, four assists, four steals, or it said five at one point in the game, I guess they corrected the stats, but he, he finished the night with 11, seven, um, four and four hit two threes, two big threes in the fourth quarter. Um, just an overall pretty good game, um, from, from Josh Hart. And, you know, it proves that, you know, the, the front office made a good, um, decision in making this acquisition because he provided so much tonight. I mean, from the rebounding to the steals to the passing, I mean, he had one steal that led to a pass. He had one steal look like an NFL like safety, like just intercepting the ball. And then he had this nice bounce pass to Obi in transition to get him a, a layup, um, which we haven't seen much of um lately with Obi. Um, but yeah, I mean just an overall great debut from him, and hopefully this is a sign of things to come. Um he was part of the closing lineup as well, um, in his first game with us. So, you know, shows that Thibs really trust him and you know, he earned it. So um yeah Jeff how did you feel about um Josh Hart's yeah, debut? Yeah. He, he was exceptional. Um and he even shot it well from 3. And like if he's hitting those he's just a super valuable player. Um the fact that he's taking them is pretty darn good too. Yeah. Um I mean he wasn't a very willing shooter in Portland so far this season, so that was really nice to see. Um yeah, he was just everywhere. I thought you did a really nice job covering it. Um, I think there's some, I don't want to say worrying, but there's some things we have to be on the lookout here for over these last 30 games, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but for now, I think we should just enjoy the win. It was a good win. Um, there's a lot of good to talk about. There's some bad things to talk about. I thought Josh Hart was probably the best defensive player in the game maybe quickly but either him or quickly i mean when they were playing together it was really good Mayhem. um yeah they're just everywhere um especially when quickly is like picking up full court he even had a steal um just guy couldn't even get it across half court quickly just picked his pocket um and Hart was it's weird because Hart is such a good free safety. Like him and him and quickly are similar in that way. They, they both are kind of hawks off the ball, but um, Hart's got, you know, more size. And so like, I feel like Tibbs is going to trust him when they're playing together. Tibbs is going to give him more of the a assignments. Um, and I thought he did a good job with that tonight. Um, yeah. I just, it's, I mean, I just thought you did a really good job covering. It. I'm trying to say new stuff, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought he was really good. I liked the trade when we traded for him. 
I'm a weird person. So, I mean, again, I'm sure we'll get into it later, but like I was super hyped about the trade. I thought it was like really easy slam dunk deal. And after watching this game, I'm actually, despite Hart being amazing, actually less encouraged by the trade because of our head coach. Um, and I think that I am more confident that Emmanuel quickly won't be a Nick like on his next contract than I was a day ago. And that's not really how I wanted to feel. And, you know, like, again, like not trying to be a negative Nancy, not trying to shower on, you know, a win that stinks. I, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but I mean, quickly's not going to play 23 minutes like a night. He's not a 23 minute a night player. He shouldn't be playing 10 minutes less a game than RJ Barrett. That's a joke. Uh, honestly, frankly, he's a better player than Josh Hart. He's a better player. He's a better player than Quentin Grimes. He's the best player of the four of them. And we all talked about where the minutes were going to come from. Well, if you look, if you compare the minutes this game to last game, you know, Deuce lost his nine minutes. Grimes played 15 less minutes than last game, quickly played six less than last game. And RJ played four more than last game. So clearly on some level, I don't know. Like I I know Tibbs is like, I I know that you can't glean all this from one game, but Tibbs is also Tibbs. Like he he's telling, he's telling us right now, like that's it. That's his preferred five. Some, if they'll let him play for him, maybe RJ, I, I mean, and we should root for that too, because if it turns into the closing lineup being Grimes or quickly over RJ, that'll mean that RJ is just playing really bad. And obviously nobody, no Knicks fan should want that. But again, I was super, super happy with the hard trade and I'm still happy with it. Obviously he played amazing. I'm just saying that like, if the trade costs us Emmanuel quickly, it's a bad trade. It's a trade that will be viewed as a bad trade, like no matter what happens. Um, and so that's just something to monitor going forward. And that was, it was discouraging to see him jump back to Brunson. And it was discouraging to see quickly be the person who got bold. I'll say that. Um, but at the end of the day, we're Knicks fans, not Emmanuel quickly fans. And the Knicks got the win. So that's the, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, with, with, with that, the whole wing rotation thing, it's going to be very, you know, interesting to see how it plays out. I think it's going to be more so, the way that it's played out um, all year where whoever is really got it going, that's, who's going to close the game. Um, right. But quickly did have it going. So like, yeah, I know. So I, I, I think it's going to be like whoever has it going and like based on the matchup, um, I guess tonight's matchup, he felt, you know, RJ who picked up things in the second half um, after a rough first half and Josh Hart, who was just everywhere all over the court. Um, I guess he just felt like to go with those two. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we know he's not going to play small. So, like, that just eliminates the possibility of quickly sharing the floor with with uh, with RJ and um, Hart. So that eliminates that right there, um, sadly. You mean, like, with Brunson, too? Yeah, with Brunson as well. Yeah, um, it is It is funny that you say that because they didn't show Randall at first. So they they showed Brunson at the scorer's table, and I was kind of psyched because I was like, okay, Brunson's getting up. And then I, and I was like, well, RJ's not coming out two minutes after he just came back in. And I was like, oh, okay, is he pulling Hart? Because, like, you know, it's his first game and blah, 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 blah. Like, he's just going to – 
And I talked myself into the idea that it was going to be Obi he was pulling Brunson for, and he was going to do a cross sub, and he was going to play a couple minutes with and try Brunson quickly, Hart, RJ with a big. Because, like, that's not a small lineup in today's NBA, but for Tibbs, it's, like, really small. And for, like, three seconds, I was convinced that's where he was going. And, I mean, you're right. Obviously, that's just never going to happen. Yeah. Nope. The coach that we have is just not that, you know, his brain is not able to wrap his mind around that that concept. Um, But, yeah, I mean, going back to the, the box score tonight, another back to – I mean – well, um, yeah, another 30-point game for both Brunson and Randall. Um, first time Knicks have teammates go um, 30 in back-to-back games since 1987, I believe they said on the broadcast. So it's been a really, really long time since we've had guys do something like this. Um, Brunson with 38-3-5, and five, um, continuing his revenge tour. Um after being snubbed from not only the all-star like regular reserves, but even the replacement reserves, Brunson was not announced. And we'll see what happens with the whole Jalen Brown situation. There's reports that Embiid might sit out the game too. It's very weird um, with all-star game this year, a lot of injuries. So still a chance that Jalen Brunson might get in, but as of now he is not in and he continues his revenge tour as he is scorching the earth um scoring the ball right now um at an efficient clip as well oh yeah yeah i mean at this point i just hope he doesn't get in um first of all it would be like the fakest of fake first all-star games second of all he would stay mad that's good for us and third of all like these crazy minutes he's playing he needs rest like just get i just don't want him to deal with those all-star festivities he's one of the team's most important players just get him a week or a week off let him rest his body because apparently he's going to play 38 to 40 minutes every single game because we can't survive you know two minutes with the manual quickly running point guard <laughs> yeah that that that's that's still insane to me despite you know everything that he's shown um but yeah um J- uh, julius randall another 30 piece as well um he will be actually in the all-star game he was named a regular reserve um no injury reserves for him 31 points, six rebounds, um, two assists, 12 of 26 from the floor, and three of 11 from three. Took a lot of threes tonight. I didn't even realize it was that much. Um, But, yeah, he played a really good um, game offensively. Um, You know, he took advantage of opportunities to score. I really liked him. Um... I just, you know, I really liked his ability to, you know, uh, my brain is, is, (laughs) is my brain is, I'm so exhausted right now. Um, but yeah, I just like this ability to, you know, take advantage of, you know, those mismatches and those opportunities. Um, and you know, he's got the, the mid range shot going. Um, and yeah, I liked his dunk that he had today too, as well. Yeah, that was nice. And the like fake poster where he clearly got fouled with the ball went in the basket anyways. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, this was a weird Randall game. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think I forget when I said it. I, I said it recently, but like he's just such a frustrating player because like every game to me, it feels like I watch and I'm just like, 
I don't I like it just he just he just does things that irk me, you know, and I don't know if that's ever gonna go away. But then he puts up 31 and six and it's like, okay, I need to shut up. Like, obviously I'm wrong. Like, you know, like, um, but I mean, I can't help myself. So I do have to, like, he, he is the last person that I want to have. Like when Brunson gets into the paint and like kicks out to RJ and then that swing pass comes on the wing. I never want Randall to catch it because he literally never makes the next swing pass to Grimes in the corner. And there was two times tonight they had the exact action they wanted. Randall catches the ball quickly is already setting the flare screen so that the Grimes defender cannot get out there. And Randall just did the catch jab step and everything reset. And I'm just like, dude, like you have to make that pass. Like there's gotta be somebody in the film room that shows you that pass is always there. Like, we can crap on Tibbs' offense all we want, mm-hmm. but it actually is very structured. Like, that guy is always in that corner. It's one of the rules of the offense. He's always there. And so when you see the ball swing around and the defense <coughs> is behind, that ex- that extra pass is just always going to be there, and he never makes it ever. And then he shot the technical. Like, fuck, man, what are you doing? Like, why are you taking the technical? I don't understand why the head coach isn't like, okay, here are the free throw percentage numbers. The highest is taking it. Like, I don't understand. And it's not like it was Randall and quickly and a bunch of guys. He's clearly like superior to in the hierarchy of the roster. Brunson was on the court. Like just let Jalen Brunson take the technical, whatever. Okay. That was long enough. Like he doesn't deserve total apathy. He was great again. Like, and I, I'm rooting for him. Like, I, I don't want to, like, throw you under the bus here, Sam, but I've never been, like, a, a, as far as you in terms of, like, just not liking Julius Randle. I'm rooting for him. He's a Nick. He just, like, man, he's a frustrating player to root for. And, I mean, I'm glad he's on our team. He's an all-star, two-time all-star now, made all-NBA, clearly a very good guy. It's – I think the frustration is more just, like, if he could just make those plays, he would be an amazing player. Like if he was just making that extra pass, that that's just such a difference for the offense. And especially when it's Quinn Grimes, because he's just so out of rhythm right now. He was awful tonight. Awful. Um, just he refuses no to shoot. Right. But he doesn't get the ball. He doesn't ever touch the ball. And like, that's the nature of the offense. I get it. If you're not a primary initiator, you're just not going to touch the ball very much because as we've talked about in here a number of times, the whole goal of Tibbs' offense is to keep turnovers low, get offensive rebounds, but most importantly, it's to bend the defense. That's like the whole point, read and react. They're not helping off shooters anymore in 2023. Like read and react might've been fun 15 years ago when the three pointer wasn't properly valued. Because if you had a guy like Derek Rose, like MVP Derek Rose, every single time he got into the paint, that paint was collapsing. And so Derek Rose in a read and react offense in 2011, they were getting a good shot every time they just were. Um, It's not happening anymore. Like Jalen Brunson is good as Jalen Brunson is. It's very rare that he draws, you know, two defenders. He's got to be in a, a zone to draw two defenders. That's why you see all these possessions when Jalen Brunson dribble, 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 shoot. Thank God he's really good at that. Thank God he's a really good mid-range shooter. But the result is Quinn Grimes doesn't touch the ball very much. And so 
you know, man, like this sucks. Like I, I, I apologize to anybody watching this. I don't mean to be a negative Nancy. This is a great win. Like, shut up, Jeffrey. Just let Sam talk. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, I've accepted this is who Randall is at this point. Um. Like, I don't really think anything's really going to change with him. Um. And you know, a lot of the, a lot of his bad habits have already been fed into for too long to really i think reverse at this point um especially with the coach still you know who's still here um on the point of quentin grimes yeah i mean i mean thankfully we have josh hart now we have quickly we have rj who had a good game so you know when grimes just doesn't have it going as he does tonight you can just quickly pull him and not really let him suffer through too much of it um yeah, I mean, and he's... I think that's like where the pessimism is coming from. Like, I don't have a problem with RJ and Hart closing. Like, again, we're Knicks fans; we're rooting for them to thrive. My problem is that when it comes to quickly, he's already on a minutes budget because Tibbs doesn't sub for the first eight minutes of halves. So that's sixteen of forty-eight minutes that it's impossible for Emmanuel quickly to play. He's already capped at thirty-two minutes. If with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, you're deciding, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I need to go back to Brunson and I'm gonna close with Hart and Randall, uh, Hart and uh, RJ. So, okay, IQ, your day's done. He's just not gonna play enough. Like, he just isn't. Um, this would be fine if we had a head coach who knew how to stagger and knew how to, you know, utilize shorter shifts to make sure that when it's time for that decision to come, everybody's played like proper minutes and, you know, seen the court enough. But when you come off the bench on a Tom Thibodeau team, unless you're playing really well and he decides to close with you, you're just not going to play a lot. And so I think that's where the frustration comes from is like, like Grimes fell into 22 minutes tonight. Grimes played as many minutes as quickly did. And he was awful, but it's because he opens the half every, uh, he opens every half for the first 16 minutes, no matter how they play. And they, yeah, I mean, today they were awful to start the, the third quarter. And exactly. he didn't do anything to, you know, help the team, you know, gain some type of like offensive rhythm by making a sub of any kind. It, it, it was wild to watch. Um, it's just like, like, can we just get like maybe one sub? Like he is just so stuck in his ways. He just won't change anything about it. Luckily, we were able to, you know, push through that and actually, you know, win the game but yeah and i guess like i guess that's where my attitude's kind of coming from it's like i mean the jazz were awful from three clearly didn't have their legs we gave up 120 points to them and this is like this isn't even a jazz like they traded you know conley um malik beasley like this is a jazz team whose six best players that horton tucker guy who like we know is bad at basketball like we just do, like he, the, he's not good. So I just, I don't know. Like we want to, like I want to be positive about Josh Hart, but I just don't find this win at all encouraging. Like beating a Jazz team at home by six, giving up 120 points to them, and Tibbs kind of showing his hand about the rotations and what they're probably going to be going forward, what they're going to look like. None of that is inspiring to me. I don't know. I again, I hate being a negative Nancy. 
No, it's. It, I mean, it's definitely war- the the concerns are definitely warranted, um, as we've seen how this coach can be, and you know how when he shows us something, it's most likely something that's going to continue throughout. So, yeah, y- your concerns are definitely warranted. Um. I guess we can also talk about um, RJ, who had a rough first half. Rough. Really rough first half. Um, bounced back in the second half. Um, yeah. At least offensively. For was the he, was he five for seven in the second half? Um, Does that sound I right? Think, I think so. I One think for so. eight at halftime, I feel like. Yeah, he was, he was really rough that first half. But the second half, much better, at least on the offensive end. Um, defense still leaves um, much to be desired on that end. Um, but yeah, offensively he was much better. Um, more more patient was able to get you know some foul calls and get to the line. Um, definitely helps when you're able to get to the line as well. But yeah, he definitely had a much better half. He hit some big time threes um, to you know help us with. I think either take the lead or um, sustain the lead that we had. Um, he hit a yeah. three. The, the Jazz tied it up. He hit a three to go back up three. And then we were up three later in the game, and he hit a three to go up 118-112, I believe. Those were the two threes he hit. Um, yeah, let me just take a look. Here. I think we should give a shout-out to Hardenstein. I thought Hardenstein was great. Yeah, I mean, he continues his strong, you know, streak of great play. Um, I mean, I think since the the year flipped, he's been like pretty consistently good off the bench, um, which is a huge plus. Um, He had 14 rebounds, again, continues to dominate on the boards. Both him and Sims have double digit rebounds tonight, so that was that was pretty huge from from them to you know, because Walker Kessler is someone who really dominates those boards. He had 15 tonight. Um, but, yeah, it was good to see, you know, Hartenstein and, and and Sims, both of them, be able to contribute on the glass. But Hartenstein continuing to, to be a presence, not even just, like, on the glass, but, like, defensively, he's able to, you know, um, stifle shots at the rim or deter shots at the rim. So, you know, that's an interesting that's been an interesting development to watch. And, you know, hopefully you can continue that that up because that really helps the bench unit be more cohesive with him quickly. Hartenstein, hopefully Toppin can get some more minutes. And I do got to say, man, RJ missing Toppin on that lob was. Oh, man. man. Like you, um, you just you you just can't miss that right there. You just feel for Obi at this point, honestly. Like what we're see- he he might not be. Who knows what he is as, as a basketball player? You know, like um, but he's not allowed to show a true representation of who he is ever. Like he's just constantly asked to make the best of a terrible situation like he just that's all there is to it um i hope he's traded in the summer honestly like i i want he's not going to succeed here as long as this coach is here um 
So I I hope for his sake he gets he gets an, another opportunity because the truth of the matter is he turns 25 this year. Like that's it's not old, but it's old for an NBA player who's in his fourth season. Like how many more opportunities is he gonna really really gonna get? Like Tibbs took his first contract and lit it on fire. And then he also took his chances of getting any decent money on his second contract and lit that on fire. Like he could sue Tibbs, honestly. <laughs> like he should. Like this is ridiculous. Um, I just feel bad for him. I feel bad for the guy. Nine minutes tonight. Nine fucking minutes. Um, and none of them. I don't think. I. Don't, I think Brunson and Randall came back in the game at the same time both times. So I think that means that. Obi played like zero minutes with Rand with with Brunson. That could help Obi Toppin. Like, I don't – why the fuck do I have to say this on every post game? Like, the, the – you can't just take a bench player who you clearly don't believe in and be like, I'm only going to play you in the least – with our worst players. It's just – it doesn't make any sense. There's no way for that player to thrive. And this isn't a team with LeBron James. You need all your guys to thrive. Tibbs has this belief that – Oh, I just ride my best guys no matter what. But like, there's no ceiling for that. There's no, <sighs> there's, I guess we just got to enjoy what we can right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to say to that. Definitely agree on that front. Um, that That's part of the reason why I made such a big deal of Josh Hart, you know, finding him on that on that break and getting him that layup. Cause like, we don't see any of that. Like guys don't pass to him no more. No one gets him those lob opportunities, like quickly with someone that you could always count on to. And, 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 and the, and the funny thing recently, have, have you noticed that quickly has been trying recently? He has, but really... it's, it's, it's been like too forced to a point where it's like, it's being, it looks like it's telegraphed and now defenses are able to, you know, see, Oh, he's Pat, he's trying to pass it to him. It's, it's, it's led to some, Excuse me. He's let it lets him some to some turnovers. Um, at least the the couple of times that I've noticed it. Um, and it's funny because a lot of people in the beginning of the year they were like saying, "Oh, quickly, he doesn't pass to Cam. He only passes to Obi." Well, it's like he, now he doesn't pass to Obi anymore. So it's just like, but yeah, there was this play that they had at the end of last season, and. It's going to sound so like random and nerdy of me, but they did it like five times in the last three games. Uh, when quickly and Obi were getting like more expanded roles, you know, it was, it was like the last three games that Randall didn't play. Um, and so what they would do is Obi would have his guy sealed on the block. Like, you know, you know how, like when, when a guy and his defender are just kind of like standing around, you know, like they, they, it's basically like the defenders waiting for, the offensive guy to like make some sort of move, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like they're just kind of standing next to each other. So what quickly would do is he, he would call for Sims to come screen for him. And this would just open up the paint. And then Obi would seal off his man and quickly would throw a lob to Obi under the basket. Cause the paint was unoccupied because Sims dragged the center out of the paint. And they did this like five times. And I was like, this is actually really smart because the Knicks primary action is always, you know, a high screen and roll at the center. So this is a good this is a good counter to that. And they just don't do that anymore. Like Obi's not allowed to go in the paint. It's like 
it's a rule or something like he's not allowed to go down there um and i don't know why and then they also don't do that you, you remember like earlier this season they used to open the second quarter a lot with that kind of cool play that ended with, with a lob to sims like i swear we saw at the start of the second quarter quickly throw a lob to sims like every single time they don't mm-hmm. run that anymore either they just they just don't do anything anymore it's just it's just high it's, ball it's, it's mind-boggling yeah it's just high ball screen and hope for the best that's that's what Thibodeau's got and it's it's worked to a degree but it's like and like people will say like hey it's work they're winning but it's like also like you can refute it by saying how much more how much better could we be if we expand the playbook like that's always a thought that that crosses my mind um but yeah um i mean it's interesting because um um that guy who's kind of new to Nick's Twitter, XJ, he's really smart. Um, he had a good like breakdown of how like there are pros to the simplicity of the offense because I guess like the data has proven that those mid-range ISOs are the most offensive rebounded shot. And they're also you're also obviously less likely to turn it over if there's less, you know if there's less passing, like that's just logical. Like the less passes you throw, the less likely you are to turn it over. And so like there are regular season pros to this offense there that he's running. It's not like, I mean, obviously they're a top 10 offense, but like, like most things with Tom Thibodeau, I do believe it comes with a low ceiling because as we've seen, Randall and Brunson aren't just gonna be able to get to their spots when they're playing great defenders, like let's say we match up with the Bucks in round one and the Bucks actually start scheming for what we're doing and they just throw Drew Holiday and Giannis on Randall and Brunson. Brunson. We need God a plan bless. B. You need a plan B. It can't just be like, keep trying that. It has to be like, okay, we need to run some, you plays. know, what they say, this will say they didn't execute hard enough. Like right. they didn't like, they didn't execute. Um, to you know the way that he designed it to happen like it's it's uh it reminds me of in football when like a coach punts on fourth and one from midfield and then they never see the ball again and in the post game he's like well if the defense just executed and got the stop like i planned we would we would we would have gotten the ball back and had a chance to win it's like but shouldn't you account for the fact that maybe they're not going to get the stop? Like, shouldn't your that's your job. You have to play out the range of outcomes. Like Tibbs doesn't really see it as a range of outcomes. He just sees it as like, if everyone does what I want and the things go the way I see them, it's going to work. And it's like, okay, but that's not always going to happen. It's, yeah. Uh, it's frustrating. Um, But yeah, I mean, did we talk about quickly? I mean, we, we talked about him and like, how he didn't play right? Um, or the minutes that he didn't play in the minutes that he did play 15 points, six of nine from the field, three of six from three, five rebounds. I only am bringing up quickly because his little highlight package just showed up on the post game show here. Um, and I was enjoying that. I enjoyed that Julius Randall behind the back pass to him in the awesome. corner. Um, that was great. Um, and it's just great to uh, see him. Like, can I say, can I say something about that play mm-hmm. before you continue? I'm sorry. 
Go ahead. Um, so if you rewatch that play, Grimes and Quickly are bunched together in the corner, and Quickly knows that there's knows exactly what's going to happen, and he knows that that corner is going to be unoccupied. So he waves Grimes away. He clears him out, um, and Grimes goes to the corner opposite. He bolts to the corner opposite because Grimes smart like he he sees what quickly sees and when grimes clears out the corner that's the only reason it was open i i mean i know it sounds stupid but i i love i love stuff like that because you just when you watch quickly and grimes you just see how good their minds are and, and what they see and you just see them talking and pointing and getting guys in the right spots all the time um and if you watch the play we were talking about earlier the ob miss under the basket mm-hmm. both hart and quickly are like pointing at Kobe under the basket, like, hey, he's right there. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, I thought that was pretty. No, nah, it's all good. No, nah, definitely. I mean, I th- I feel like a lot of these guys, their IQ is probably a lot more. It's 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 being hindered um, by Thibs's stagnation and like rigidity. Um, like I feel like their creativity and their, um, you know, like just their their basketball chops would be highlighted more in a system that you know allowed for more offensive creativity more you know opportunities for them to you know showcase that more movement more stuff like that so you know but yeah i mean iq he had a great game i wish he played more um i won't complain that i won't really complain that much just because like josh hart um i feel like i feel like also with with this game i feel like Thibs might have just been trying to just get josh hart out there and just like see what he does with like different various units and like he used them tonight in the closing unit um just because he had such a great game defensively and on the glass um i mean when you look at all the boards that josh hart got and we'll get back to quickly in just a sec um when you look at all the the boards and like all the hustle plays that josh hart made those are all like the loose balls and stuff that we did not get in so many losses that we got this year. Like point case in point, Dallas. If we have Josh Hart for that Dallas play where Luca does the BS off the off the rim, yeah. Josh Hart probably grabs that board. Like I'm like 99.9% sure he grabs that board. If he's like, okay, I, I, I agree, I agree with your point. I just need to say like Grimes was 99. He had it in his hands. That wasn't I know, but like, I feel like Josh Hart, like he just goes that extra mile for like some of these like loose balls. Like he makes sure that he has it with like his whole being like he makes sure to grab the shit out of these rebounds. But yeah, I feel like a lot of these loose balls and stuff like the way that the ball is bouncing Josh Hart's way is the way that it usually goes for the opponents when we're playing them. So it's glad to I'm glad that we finally have someone like that on our side and hopefully this and doesn't go always some, it's always somebody like heart like it's it's always like how many times have we as nick fans been like it's literally right there in your hands how did you go get it small, <laughs> how did you let that smaller guy poke it away from you heart wasn't like having balls bounce to him he was anticipating where they'd come off the rim and just going and getting them that's a huge like I shouldn't have been so overly pessimistic because the point you just made was so great. Like mm-hmm. if I was more of a Tibbs optimist, I probably would have spun it the way you just spun it. Like I would have said, 
oh, you know, we probably wanted to get him some looks with different guys. He wanted like that's a much better and smarter way to look at it. I'm just always going to be lean pessimistic with Tibbs. And also it's one game. Like it's not like Emmanuel quickly is not allowed to play 23 minutes in a game. That's okay. Like, you know, as long as most of the time it leans higher, I think it's just like the combination of quickly was playing really well. And I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, he's going to close. And I like, that's just going to happen with, you know, that, but on any other team, he does. I'll tell you that on any other team, both quickly and Hart close tonight. Right. Um, but I mean, even even then, I mean, you look at Hartenstein, you're like, man, Hartenstein also deserves to close somewhat too, because like Hartenstein was great on the glass and yeah. and defensively as well. So it's just like it's like you know you gotta it's like the the coach has to pick his poison, and you know Thibs is always gonna pick having that traditional five out there as opposed to going small because I think going small could have you know, worked tonight as well because I thought you know the way Hart was rebounding, he was rebounding like a big as well. Um, but yeah um back to quickly though um continues to you know i like that he's finally like been able to um what's it balance the like the the two-point scoring and the three-point scoring it seems like um there are some nights where you know he is more two-point heavy in terms of going to the rim a whole bunch as opposed to taking threes but it's good to see him have these games where there's like a balance of him being able to take and make the threes as well as being aggressive and finding his shot at the rim and and the two-point shots as well so you know that's always encouraging to see and hopefully he continues to to keep that up and he so far he has so you know i'm very optimistic about that 100 percent um still waiting on him to just have one of those like I don't know, like six for eight, three point games. Like it felt like tonight was going to be that night. Cause he was like three for his first three. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's just not that type of shooter. It seems like he should be. Um, no, he wasn't three for his first three. I think it was three for his first four, but whatever. Um, and it also feels like his misses are always on. Like there was a, we, we got a really good angle on one of his misses in the second half. And it was just like, I was just so sure it was going in. Um, yeah, you're 100% right, though. Like, the the increase in his ability from inside the arc has really transformed his game because he just used to be so dependent on the variance of three-point shooting. Um, and tonight, he did both well, um, which is nice to see. But there are just going to be games when you don't have it from three, you need to be able to hit the, you know, those mid-range jumpers. You need to be able to get to the rim. I don't know why he went over two from the free throw line, but because that's always annoying, but he's a good free throw shooter, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I thought he played a really, really, really good game tonight. Uh, and I agree with everything you said. All right. Let's get to some comments before we do. It's time for everyone's favorite part of these shows. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back. Once again, my streak of not being able to hit a Knicks same game parlay continues. Man, 
I had, for all those people that want to listen in on my misery, I had Brunson over points, Randall over points, Marketing over points, Quickly over points, Randall over rebounds, Kessler over rebounds, Brunson over assists, and Randall over threes. Brunson's assists and Randall's rebounds did not hit today. Man, I gotta show you this uh this this good uh opponents site that I use because the Jazz give up the least assists to point guard. I had Brunson under assist tonight for mm. that reason specifically. They give up the least assist to point guard of any team in the league. Um I was with you on I mean I lost too, so fuck do I know. I'm not I'm not like <laughs> you know, like I'm not saying I'm any better, but I, I had a lot of the same ones you did. I think I had I lost on Kelly Olynyk threes. You know, I, assumed mm. he was gonna get, I, I thought I he was, was going to be the one to kill us tonight. I just thought he was going to get you know some of those pick and pop threes that opposing bigs get because we. Yeah, it was so up. weird to not uh, like he was barely on the court tonight. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I had a, you know I was with you on marketing. I was with you on Randall. With you on Brunson points. And then we had Brunson under assists and stupid Kelly Olenek. Hmm. Yep. It's always there's always that one leg that will get you. It um, really is, and that's like how they keep you coming back. You know, like not to just because you're like because you're like oh I was this close last time yep. I can definitely get there this time. Um, if you want to be like us, download the app now <laughs> and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet. $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum agent eligible restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. Let's get rolling with some comments. Um, So Chris Bernhardt, he starts us off. He says, so Josh Hart is awesome. Then he says, okay, I lied. He isn't awesome. He's phenomenal. Legit everything you want in a role player. I'm pumped for this bench going forward because he's going to make IQ's life so much easier. Definitely agree with you there. I think he's going to make his life easier, not only defensively because of like everything that he was able to do tonight, but the fact that he's like willing to take threes, which is something that was a question mark coming into New York because his Portland tenure, he was much more of a slasher. If he's going to take, if he's going to make and take threes, then yeah, he's definitely going to help the bench a ton. I mean, that alleviates um, the offensive pressure on um, IQ. We know that Deuce has started to make shots, but he isn't like, he isn't really the, like he doesn't have the, I guess the reputation that Hart has in terms of shot making from three. Um, Cause I mean, there was one point where, I mean, I think before coming into Portland, Hart was like around a 34, 35% three point shooter. Um, so, you know, he has that reputation of being at least a reputable three-point shooter. Um, but yeah, I think he's definitely going to make IQ's life easier. And hopefully Thibs doesn't, you know, take that to the nth degree, um, with, you know, balancing things out. I will say, um, I think that's a really good point by Chris and something I didn't consider, um, watching the game and just thinking about it, but, um, he's definitely uh, deserving of more on ball reps and like Tibbs was giving them to deuce, you know, like deuce was getting to run some point a little bit. Um, so I do, I 
agree that I hope it's not just 100% quickly in RJ with that unit. Um, I hope that Josh Hart gets to run a little bit of screen and roll because he's a good decision maker um, when he gets inside of the paint. Um, so, yes, I I agree completely that that is one of the great benefits of having Josh Hart is he's going to make quickly and the rest of the bench unit and anybody he plays with, he's going to make their lives easier. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a great addition in, in that retrospect. Ace Bouchard says the Josh Hart trade is this year's version of the Derek White trade. Hmm. Could be. Could be the same, you know, sort of impact there. Um, we'll see how, how far we can, you know, take ourselves in the playoffs slash play in. Um, but yeah, I think we have a good chance to make the playoffs um, without, you know, going through the play in. It all depends on, you know, how things shake up with Miami and Brooklyn. Um. I mean, if Miami keeps getting to play the bottom of the league and keeps getting handed wins, I guess, like, and it's the second straight night. Like, they should have lost to Houston, and they should have lost tonight. And it's just stupid. Like, why don't these teams do this to us? I don't understand. Like, why does Miami get just gifted wins? And they play in the Southwest, so every other – or the Southeast, so every other team in their division's trash. I don't know. I don't think we're going to pass Miami – I think if we do get into the top six, it's because we pass Brooklyn. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that, or do you think there's a chance we pass Miami? I think there's a chance we pass Miami just for the simple fact that our records are so close and we still have a chance to play them a couple more times later in the year, and I think we can beat them in the season series. And I think that will go a long way in terms of seeding with us if our records are really that close. If we end up like being tied with the same record, we and if we beat them, like at least... I think we play them two more times this season, or three more times? It's at least two. I'll check right now. So for some reason, I felt like it was three, though. Because um, if we just beat them this next time, and then we have them to just play one more time, we win the season series. And if we have records tied at the end of the year, we have the tiebreaker. And I like our chances there. So we got three more. Yeah, two three more. Miami. Okay. Two in Miami, one at home. I'm not scared of playing them in Miami, honestly. I mean, after seeing what Houston was almost able to do to them the other day and yeah. like how we, we beat them last year coming back down 20 with our young guys kicking their ass, like I like our chances. Um, Miami isn't scary this year. Like going back to yesterday, me and Tyrese, we were like live reacting to the end of that game because I, I literally pulled it up on my phone as I was like as we were streaming, as we were going through the post game. And Tyrese was like, the game is tied. And I was like, no, it's not. Like, <laughs> Miami just got a lob because Houston didn't know who to switch on who. Like, they didn't know who their man was. And that's what you get when you have when you throw a bunch of, like, 20-year-olds on the court together um, that don't know what they're doing defensively. Did you see um, the end of the Brooklyn game tonight? Um, No, but I caught some clips of it on, on Twitter. And it was insane. Yeah, Dinwiddie hit like a 50-40 footer at the buzzer and everybody thought it was going to overtime when they were down three and then they reviewed it and it was called off. Like he barely didn't get out of his hands. So, man, the NBA is great. I hope everyone just loves the NBA and loves the notes. <laughs> yup. Um, Andre Cross says, someone out there in the ether, Schwinn is watching Josh Hart pointing at his TV and yelling, that's how you fucking rebound. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think please, every please, Knicks fan is, is yelling at the up. TV. Huh? Please keep this comment up while you <laughs> respond. Don't change it. 
No, I, I, I think, I think every Knicks fan was definitely, you know, screaming at their TV. That's how you fucking rebound. Cause like this team has had a serious issue with getting rebounds in clutch situations. Um, and in the fourth quarter, like I brought up the Dallas game, but like there's been so many games where like the ball just doesn't bounce our way because guys are just not giving the effort. Another situation is if RJ grabs that rebound, does the Clippers game go to overtime? Probably not. And I think Josh Hart grabs that rebound there. I really do. Especially after seeing how he rebounds the ball. He rebounds like his life depends on it. Um, but doesn't yeah. it just seem, doesn't it just seem like, like uh, to move it away from the quickly part of it, doesn't it just seem like Josh Hart is just a lock to close every game? Like, because if he plays like this, hell yeah. But I don't even think, like, the thing is, is that the thing is, is that Josh Hart doesn't shoot enough to be having what seems like a bad game. So, like, every game, Tibbs is going to, like, have an erection watching him because the effort and rebounding is always going to be there. Yeah. Like, I think, I think, I think he's just always going to close, which is fine. Like, but we better, like, we have to consolidate this trade and make it worth it. Like we have to extend him. Like he has to be a Nick for the next five years or, you know, none of this will have been worth it because. I think both sides want to get that done. Yeah, I agree. Um, There's like too many connections. Like Jalen Brunson's here. Leon Rose is his former agent. Josh Hart says he wants to actually find a stable home in the league. He's been traded around so much. Um, so I think, you know, both sides and Thibs loves him and obviously Leon Rose loves Thibs. Um, so <laughs> like, I think all sides, like all sides seem to be in one accord on this thing. So it's just a matter, I guess, of the number, but yeah, it looks like Josh Hart will be here for the foreseeable future and he's a winning basketball player. So, you know, I'm all for it. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'd be, I'd be. This summer, like my ideal summer, would be quickly and Hart getting reasonable extensions and them trading Obi. <laughs> not again, not because I want Obi gone, but just because I just got a free Obi. First of all, I think if we trade him and the team rolls with a nine person unit, nine man unit next year. I think it kind of forces Tibbs to give like it forces the bench unit to be Hart and RJ on the wings, but as the three, four, you know, and then just quickly and um, quickly in a big. So what it does is if Tibbs keeps running rotations the same way is instead of, um, or wait, what am I saying? Oh yeah, it would be it would be Deuce. It would be it would be Deuce would be the ninth man. And I don't know. To me, the idea of a Deuce quickly, Hart RJ, Hardenstein potentially Hardenstein lineup sounds awesome. Like that sounds sounds like a ton of fun. A little you you'd say it could be a little small on the boards, especially with how bad RJ has been on the defensive glass. But that's where Josh Hart's so valuable. Like him and quickly are plus rebounders and. Hart's not just a plus rebounder. He's an elite rebounder. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been looking at these these Twitter clips of um, Josh Hart. 
and and Jalen Brunson, it definitely seems like Josh Hart is going to be someone that is sticking around in in MSG. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say something and I forgot. I hate when that happens. I talk too much. No, you're good. You're good, man. My brain is in the clouds because of work and all these other stuff. Um, RR says, can we get a player's exception to have literally anyone else play in first halves except for RJ? Um, Sadly, a rule does not exist in the NBA of this sort yet. Maybe if RJ continues to play like this, then the Knicks will be forced to, you know, advocate for such a thing. But um, yeah, I mean, RJ, man, he's been a he's been a, a very interesting point of contention amongst Knicks fans. There are the Knicks fans that go to the there are Knicks fans that go to the extreme of both ends of the spectrum in terms of criticizing him and and coddling him. Um, I think I find myself in a happy medium where I am able to, you know, n- notice things that aren't in his favor that are out of his control, as well as, you know, give him flack for when he's not doing certain stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm quick. Yeah. Everyone knows me. I'm quick to criticize anybody. No one gets, you know, no one gets the 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 brunt of anything from me like i i'm not soft on anyone on this team so i just don't get how you can be anywhere but the middle because you're a knicks fan so like everyone who's a knicks fan should be incentivized to root for him on some level but if you're like a rational logical thinker he hasn't been good like there's all this evidence that he hasn't been good so I don't get people who are so irrational. They've like convinced themselves he's been good. And I also don't get people who are Knicks fans who get that he hasn't been good and therefore like hate him. Like it's okay. He's still only 22. And the thing is more specific to RR's point. The fact that he is able to rebound from all of these horrific first half starts should give us all um tempered tempered optimism that he's just mentally the type of person who's going to figure it out because if you can figure it out on the fly in game in the biggest most famous arena in the world in front of fans who are like dying to boo him like not boo rj they're just they're emotional fans they're gonna boo you like that's if he can figure it out in front of them on the fly Mm-hmm. I promise you he's working his ass off to figure it out on a macro level. And if he can, you know, be one for his first eight and hit the huge threes that he's hit against Boston. And now this game, like some people are just built for bigger moments and for bigger things. And yeah, RJ is not like a good, very good basketball player right now, but I don't know. There should be a decent amount of optimism that he's going to get there because he does show flashes and like I just said, he's shown the most flashes between his ears. Um, so that's my dose of optimism for y'all after being miserable for the first 20 minutes of the show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he definitely has to be better. And, you know, 
he's not gonna get better if we can if the coach at least continues to like i'm glad today like he actually like sat him for a good amount of that that second quarter like he wasn't good so like they sat him he came back in the third quarter and played some good basketball like that's what you're supposed to do. I hate when Thibs like he's he's playing bad and Thibs like lets him play bad through an extended stretch of like 18 minutes straight or something like that. Like that's just insane yeah. to me. That's not good coaching. That doesn't that doesn't help RJ in any way. Like if anything it, it forces him to like force up even more bad shots to like get himself out of that rut. So like yeah. This is why shorter shifts are needed. Like every other team is doing it. How does he not know this? I don't understand. I watched the Bucks game last night. Giannis came out at in the first and third quarter at the seven minute mark. Giannis did. Like he plays multiple shifts in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Chris Middleton, who's coming off the bench, played three or plays multiple shifts in a half despite only playing 12 minutes. Because Bud plays you six minute shifts. That's what he does. If RJ's like, and obviously you have to stagger a little bit. So some people are going to play a little bit longer, but it's really not that hard to keep all five of your starters in the six to 10 minute range for their first shift. And what it does is it creates so many different more lineup combinations. It lets other guys play with, you know, different players. It lets different lineups function together. And to your point, it doesn't keep guys who are not playing well or lineups that aren't playing well together for extended periods of time, because you think that's like the rule. Like sometimes a change is just needed and people always just be like, Oh, Tib wants Tibbs wants to lean on his starting lineup. Well, okay. If we had the best starting lineup in the NBA. Yeah. Okay. That's one thing, but we have a really young team. That's depth is its strength, not its top tier talent. So they're not just going to show up on 82 nights a year. And the point you made earlier where Tibbs would just say, well, if they executed, it would have worked. The most volatile group of players is young players. So this whole like rigidity and continuity thing, you need to do more um, improvisation with your rotations and you need to be more open to versatility and to changing it up. And that's why you'll never be able to convince me that there's not a worse marriage of roster and coach. Because I do think there's rosters out there where what Tibbs does and what he brings would just be absolutely enabled and he could have success. Like he's clearly like on some level, a smart basketball mind. He clearly knows how to like motivate players because you saw Emmanuel quickly tonight. He was the first guy off the bench celebrating after every big three. This is year three with a player who's probably going to lose out on like $50 million because of this head coach. And Thibodeau has like mind fucked him into thinking that like, Oh, it's okay. Like you love it. You're going to fucking like it here. And you, you, and he's just done it. So clearly Tibbs knows how to talk to people in a way and knows how to like get a team to play for each other. That's a skill. That's a skill I certainly wouldn't have. These guys would just fucking laugh at me like if I was the coach and I was talking about my analytics and shit. They'd just be like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, like, but Thibodeau's, he's got that skill. I just, I don't think this is the roster for him. And this is just another example of why. Yeah. Um, hopefully this 
marriage come to an end, but I don't see that coming. Um, all right, let's see. Um, Jordan Bob says, I think the heart trade will cost you OB more than IQ because I believe IQ is more valuable um, than OB. I mean, with OB, it just seems like, you know, everything is pointing towards him not being here that long anyways. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Obi's gone regardless. So... I don't think it's a choice anymore. Like, I think Obi's going to take what he can get at this point. And, like, who knows? Like, I was just saying about quickly, aside from, like, like somebody tweeted it tonight. Oh, it was that Tommy Beer guy. That when RJ didn't throw him the lob, it was, like, the first time he's ever seen Obi actually get mad or get frustrated. Like, Obi's another guy that seems happy all the time. Like, all the time in a really weird way. In a... In a in a way that I, again, wouldn't have in me. I would just, if I was Obi, I would just be so mad. So who knows? Like, maybe he just loves New York. This is where he grew up, you know? Or this is where he's born. Was he born here and then he grew up in Florida? I don't know. Um, regardless, maybe he'll just take some cheap extension and just resign here. I don't know. We're going to be over the cap. So, like, if the Knicks threw, like, three for 30 at Obi and he was just like, fuck it, I love New York, I'll take it. I guess maybe he'd stay. I, I guess that's not insane, but I, I do think that, like you said, Sam, the writing's on the wall. Yeah. Um, there was also another play where IQ missed um, Obi on the lob, and and uh, and Schwinn had tweeted it out where Obi yelled at him, like, look for the king lob um, after a play. Um, so, you know, this is, this, is, this, is, this is something that's starting to, I guess, build up with Obi, that, you know, the frustration, which I totally understand because – they used to look for him on the lob and now they don't. So, yeah, they, they just, all he gets to do is shoot threes or attack closeouts. And when he's in ruts, like he is right now, the, the minutes are less, the touches are less like, and it affects other areas. You know, he just looks less engaged defensively. He looks less engaged on the defensive glass. Like this version of Obi Toppin isn't helping you win basketball games. And so I understand why, uh, why Tibbs just goes back to Randall because Randall apparently made a deal with somebody that he's just not allowed to get hurt or tired no matter what he does. Like, he just, yeah, he just plays forever. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a tough, it's a tough situation for Obi. Yep, we shall see though. We shall see. Um, JL says THT season high. Are we surprised? No, we're not. It's always against us. We are not surprised. Um, I mean, the three refs may as well have been three Laker fans who want to be proven three clutch, right about their three clutch representatives. Yeah. About all. And the only reason like they're, they're just refing to prove themselves right with their awful THT takes from three years ago. That dude was getting the softest whistle I've ever seen in my entire life. Meanwhile, RJ is getting murdered at the rim and he doesn't like the one RJ call the one RJ no call that got Tibbs teed up, which like good for Tibbs for standing up for his guy. That was bullshit. Um, 
THT was sent to the line three times in like five possessions right after that. Not a single one of those was he touched even remotely as hard as RJ was on the no call. And this is the thing about refing. It doesn't matter if you get the, like on some level, it doesn't matter if you get the calls right. What matters is if you are consistent with the calls, you set a baseline foundation with your calls and then they know how to play. It's the same as a strike zone. Your strike zone doesn't have to fit the box that ESPN puts up there when you're watching the games, but it has to be the same for both sides because players get used to it and they are like, okay, I know what a strike is now. I'll adjust. They're, these players are more than happy to adjust to the refs if it goes the same both ways. When mm-hmm. RJ gets killed and THT gets a Trey Young call for three straight possessions, yeah, guys are going to be frustrated, and that was just bullshit. Yeah. And the rest are never consistent, so. Yeah. Sadly, this is like what we got to expect from highest level of basketball in the, in the world. We got a uh, late night shams bomb. Reggie Jackson signed with the Nuggets. Yeah, I thought he'd be a son. Um, I also is pain, heard... Is pain out for a while? No, I just thought like they'd sign him for like some like, you know, some depth. Cause... Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, but I think they'll go after Will Barton, who will be on the buyout market. Um. Because you know they lost all their wings, yeah, um, in the deal. Uh, I mean, they did get T.J. Warren back, but they're still lacking on the wings. And I think Will Barton will be, you know, a nice veteran for them to rely on. I think like Will Barton has been getting like DMPs, or at least like he hasn't been getting a lot of minutes off the bench in Washington. So, um, all right, let's see. What other comments we have here? Um, Hawkeye420 says, Jeff Vroom looks like he cashed out some quality bets. I respect it. <laughs> I, I'm i not going to be, uh, you know, promote my personal life too much, but for my, you know, I guess not my personal life, my work life, whatever. But what I will say is whatever money I do or don't have is definitely not coming from betting because that (laughs) never goes well for me, but use promo code TBPN to sign up for DraftKings and you too, you too can lose same game parlays by one leg. Yes. Just like all of us. Yep. Um, He also says as terrible as, as it is, the fact that the problems with this team are repeatable and actually very fixable is kind of a, good thing as annoying as it is also yeah i mean that's what that's what makes this team frustrating is because it's like a lot of low-hanging fruit and like stuff that can be very fixed with like you know the appropriate like schemes and plays but they just don't happen because the way the coach just operates things um but yeah i mean that's what's make that's what makes everything that much more frustrating yeah, I would I would lean on the frustrating side and not the hopeful side because <laughs> Tibbs has basically proven that he thinks he knows he has the answers to everything and solutions don't come by making adjustments. Solutions come by doing what he thinks is right better. Um, so yeah, I think we're just going to see keep seeing a lot of the same things and 
the people who don't think Tibbs is the right coach will be continue to be frustrated. And the people who do think Tibbs is the right coach will bemoan the they they'll yeah, bemoan the fact that we don't have better players, apparently. Which they don't see the flawed logic there because they're kind of saying that coaching is irrelevant and a coach is at the mercy of his players hundred percent. I do not buy that notion. I think that it is very clear who the better coach in tonight's game was. Will Hardy has been exceptional. He does a lot of things. Well, they run a real offense. Um, he staggers his best players. You know, he knows how to, you know, shorten rotations and sub guys in and out. And yeah, but I guess we'll never know because Apparently, Tibbs is, has a lifetime contract here. And I got to be honest with you, Sam. I don't know if I'm going to still be doing this, these post games with you if Tibbs is co- head coach of this team in 2028. I, I, at a certain point, I'm going to reach my breaking point. Um, Will Tibbs even be alive in 2028? Man, that's, <laughs> ah, that's brutal, dude. That's fucked up. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of things can happen between... I mean, what is that? Five years from now, a lot of things yeah. could happen. I, I I guess you could probably guarantee that one of me or Tibbs will be dead by twenty twenty eight. Either he'll have a heart attack or his coaching will give me a heart attack. And you know, like, <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's an old guy. Five years, who knows what could happen? A lot of things. allegedly, allegedly, a lot of things yeah. could happen. <laughs> Medically, physically anything <laughs> um all right meno f set ask do you guys think we'll ever see a lineup of brunson quick grimes Hart, randall or is that too small it's too small for thibs it's not too small for me um i would like to see a lineup like that i think that would be fun but thibs has this incessant need for a traditional five on the floor at all times so I just don't see this lineup coming through to fruition. Um, yeah. Um, I think there's a chance we see it with RJ instead of Grimes. Or, uh, excuse me, RJ instead of Quickly. I think there's a chance we see it. I think there's a chance we see the RJ Hart front, uh, front court. Especially if Obi keeps fr- uh, struggling. Like if Obi keeps struggling and he's just pointless out there, eventually Tibbs is just going to go to like his best guys for real. Like in the, in a playoff setting and stuff like Tibbs leaves a lot to be desired in a postseason setting. But like, as we saw in the Hawks series, he's not afraid to just like, okay, you're, you're done. You know, like he's not afraid to say that to a guy and like, Now, interestingly enough, Obi was actually one of the few people who did show up in that Hawks postseason series. He kind of like, so I don't know if we can expect Obi to just like disappear in a playoff series. He kind of seems like one of those guys who might be built for it. But um, yeah, I I just, I feel like he likes RJ's size, even though he hasn't been good at like in in theory. And I think he'd be more willing to try it. Um, in some rare moments without Randall. I actually think he could talk. I could see him. I'm going to be crazy here. I could. Oh, never mind. 
I was being really stupid. Wow. I thought the question was about four four small guys and a big. So yes, I I, I could definitely see that lineup with Randall uh, at some point. Maybe against the Bucks. Like when the Bucks run like a Giannis plus four shooters lineup and Tibbs is just gonna put Randall on Giannis, I could definitely see him doing it. But maybe that's me being more hopeful. It could be you being very hopeful. <laughs> um because yeah. like I mean, yeah, he definitely he would definitely match up Giannis and Randall. But like the four shooters, it depends on who the four shooters are. Like mm-hmm. I know they added Jay Crowder, so if Jay Crowder's out there with like Chris, Drew, and like Wes Matthews, something yeah. like that. Maybe Thibs is forced to, you know, play four smaller guys around around Randall. I mean, that's a totally reasonable lineup that the Bucks will run all the time. And, like, this is going to sound stupid, but if the Bucks are running that lineup and Tibbs tries a normal center against them, even if it's Mitch, he should just be fired on the spot. <laughs> like, that's not that's not coaching. That's just, oh, my God. I How did you get me mad just thinking about that? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Not because it's something you really, you legitimately have to think about. Like you legitimately have to think, like, oh, is this something that you know this coach would do? Uh, but yeah, I would be very, very upset if I get. I mean, I get what I get. I guess if it's Mitch, I shouldn't be upset because Mitch, he's earned the chance to prove that he can't guard Giannis in that type of setting. You know, mm-hmm. like. Mitch shouldn't just be relegated to like, okay, like you don't have a chance. You, you we're, we're not even going to give you a chance. Um, but like, can you imagine if you did like Harden said, like, God, that Hawk series was so annoying. Mitch was out and he was like, Oh, I just got to go with the Nerlens Noel Taj Gibson. I got to play them 48 center minutes. And the Hawks were just running circles around us. It's just, he got circles ran around him by Nathan McMillan. Uh. <laughs> insane um christopher Vieira. he asked what would y'all do to get grimes going again i feel like he missed some good looks but i also think thomas doesn't run much to help get him involved um so what do you think jeff um i think touching the ball would help i think so when you watch the knicks offense especially with the starters. Like there's a reason that every time Emmanuel quickly comes in the game, the first thing everybody tweets and anybody who's watching the game says is like, holy shit, like there's life in this team now. It's not an accident. It's because with Jalen Brunson running the show and with Julius Randle as the 1B option, the Knicks are like the slowest team ever. And it's not just slow pace getting the ball up the court. It's how long it takes them to get into their sets because they do that window dressing action where somebody comes and catches the ball and then passes it back to Brunson. And all of a sudden you look up and there's nine seconds on the shot clock and Brunson's still 10 feet beyond the three point arc. So the best possessions that the starters have is when they get into their sets earlier, whether it's eliminating that window dressing act window dressing action or pushing the ball up the court off a rebound. Um, I don't care. Grimes is going to benefit from some pace. Um, and then just 
having some semblance of creativity, run a friggin' Julius Randall Quentin Grimes dribble handoff, run something like him just standing there is doing nobody any good because nobody's ever going to help off him. So it's like his entire job is to operate as a spacer. Um, he literally didn't touch the ball meaningfully until his first shot at like the end of the quarter. What is a guy supposed to do with that? He's running around collecting cardio for 11 minutes and then he puts up a three. Okay. Like, do we really expect him to be as efficient as somebody like Jalen Brunson, who's shooting the ball and dribbling the ball whenever he wants? play a game of basketball and tell tell get back to me like anybody who's played at anybody at any level will tell you that you're more comfortable the more you're involved in the action we saw it from Obi last season me and you sam spent the entire season saying that Obi's three-point numbers didn't matter he's a better shooter than his numbers showed and he's a more efficient player than his numbers showed and the second he started getting regular run and regular touches, the he would be a rare case where the usage goes up and the efficiency goes up because he would finally have his feet. He would finally have feel for the game, for the flow of the game. And we were proven right. Grimes is the same thing. This is a former point guard that you're saying you're not going to touch the ball ever. So like, I don't think his efficiency really matters right now until we start running a more like – democratic offense i think you're gonna see these types of fluctuations in his efficiency christopher Vieira, and i definitely agree with what you said he also said um agreed i wish we could use him as a movement shooter too um which i think would go into like dhl thing um and you know just like running like some type of off-ball action for him to you know get something you know while he's on the move um, but I do like him spotting up more just because he seems to have a thing with setting his feet when he's shooting, um, where he's rushing his shots. Um, I don't know. Did, did you see what Tyrese called him on Twitter? <laughs> called him a light skinned Muppet. Yeah. <laughs> Dude needs help, man. Like what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, JL, he kind of, I think this is when we were talking about um, Josh Hart. He said that the team has lost close games due to basic stuff like loose balls not going their way. And I think Hart will help with helps, uh, will help with some of that. Um, Christopher Riviera says RJ has been disappointing this year, but I would like to see him without Thomas as the head coach. Their pairing looks like it's run its course. Definitely agree there. Um, All right, this is a good one from Christopher Vieira. Okay, it says, with the hard acquisition, what should the expectations for Thomas for Thomas be now? I think it is reasonable to expect to win a playoff series. I would fire him no matter what, but the bar should be raised. I know we are we here have always believed on the talent on this team, and the hard acquisition looks like it will be awesome. So we got to raise the bar out of the hell for Thomas. He has zero excuses now, in my opinion. Also... Can we dead the notion of Randall ever taking a technical free throw when Brunson and IQ are on the court? That was just brutal, and you knew he was going to miss that. Um, but, yeah, great comment by Christopher Vieira there. Um, but, yeah, I, I I mean, my for me personally, I always had the expectations low as hell just to avoid disappointment. Um, 
Like, I just didn't want to be disappointed. But I do think they should be raised, obviously, with the acquisition of Hart, because I do think that he does clean some things up on the margins for this team in terms of rebounding, going after loose balls, hustling, defense. Like, he just adds so much in those on those on those margins that the Knicks have, you know, struggled with all year. So, yeah, I definitely do think the bar should be raised because once you clean up some of those stuff on the margins, you expect some type of maybe positive regression from RJ as um, because he won't be able to, he won't be tasked with doing some of those things that Hart will take over for. You you kind of think that, you know, there's some positive regression with, with him as well. You just overall expect the overall product of the team to be much better. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I think that the expectations were too low to begin with. Like, I think it's this thing that, like, Tibbs defenders, this narrative that Tibbs defenders have crafted, that this is, like, this mediocre team that he's getting the most out of. Like, I already think we're underachieving, and I think that's pretty clear. Um, we've gotten... I mean, the Knicks won 42 games by Pythag last season. I know they won 37 games, but, like, Pythag had them as a true 42-win team. And we all know why they won five less games than their expectation last year because that number is based on what they'd ex- how they'd expect you to do in close games. The Knicks were not good in close games. We know why the Knicks weren't good in close games, yada, yada. So they came into the season with 42-win talent. They lost Burks, but replaced him with Jalen Brunson. They got a way better version of Julius Randle. Like, all of this before Josh Hart, they got improvement from quickly. They got a full season of Grimes. They've been relatively healthy. They should have expected RJ to improve. The fuck are we talking about here? Like, this is at least a 46-win team on its own. But... All season, it's just been like, oh, we should just be happy to be here. And like, oh, Tibbs is doing the best he can. It's like, no, I don't agree with that at all. Now that we have Josh Hart, and clearly Josh Hart is like a Tibbs guy. That's the thing Tibbs defenders always say. Like, well, if you give Tibbs his guys, that's when he really cooks, you know? Like, that's, okay, well, he's got one of his guys now, and he's going to close with him all the time. So, I mean, if we go out woefully in a first round series the seat should at least get warm in my opinion it won't but it should yeah definitely i think i think i think if this team goes out in like a like a six or seven game like slugger i think he definitely keeps his job and stuff like that though but yeah i do agree i do think the bar was already too low. For me personally, I had the bar low just to avoid disappointment, but I do think the bar was low collectively around the fan base just because, like, um, I think the bar is low because of Thibs. Yeah. Like, people, like, they expect a certain, they have certain expectations with Thibs because they know what he is, what his teams are capable of. Like, they've seen this whole, you know, movie before, so. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's see what else we got. 
All right. I guess this is a good question for the next game that we have coming up where we play the Nets on Monday in MSG. Jordan Bub says, so how will we defend the Nets offense and how will we score on their defense? Who will defend Bridges and Thomas? Who will be surprised Nets players that go off? Um, so the Nets offense is it's really hard to like even like scout and say how we would defend them because like they're like a totally different team than what they were before. I mean, we know they're still going to try to spray as much threes as possible. They still got Joe Harris. They still got, you know, Cam Johnson. They got um, Mikal Bridges. They got Seth Curry if he's healthy. Like, those are all guys that will give us trouble from three. Cam Thomas as well. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 mainly just going to be about defending the three. We know this team is pathetic at defending the three when it comes to a team like Brooklyn. Um, Brooklyn always manages to, you know, um, always manages to get our number. So I always chalk it up as a as a schedule, L, like <laughs> no matter what. Um, and even with this whole roster change, like they still have a formidable team. Like they took Philly down to the wire tonight, um, and they beat the Bulls the other day pretty handily. So. <clears throat> They're still a pretty good team. So they're yep. they're some they're a team that we can't sleep on for sure. Um and yeah, I mean, um, how will we score on their defense? It's gonna be interesting. They do have quite a few staunch defenders between Claxton, DFS, Cam Johnson, Macau Bridges. It's gonna be very interesting to see how the Knicks, you know, tackle that. And they're uh, just like big too. Yeah, they're very long. The length yeah. is the length is also something that the, the Knicks struggle with. Yeah. It feels like a game RJ has to do stuff because they're gonna put bridges on Brunson. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't love the matchup for us. Um but we're gonna be at home. We're a good team. Like we're gonna be betting favorites, so just gotta take care of business. Is there a weirder player than Cam Thomas, by the way? Like, has like, I don't know. Like, how do you how do you score forty straight, three straight games, and then just go back to eighteen minutes? Like, I don't. That's got to be so weird. I mean, that game against the Bulls, he was he had the nastiest twenty point game I've ever seen. He was like three for sixteen from the field with like thirteen free throws. Uh, um it was a really rough game he's someone that takes a lot of bad shots um when they're going in he's able to score 40 when they're not he looks like he did versus the bulls and you know tonight they finally had their full roster of all the acquisitions so naturally his his um minutes would go back down to normal for him so yeah yeah but he's guaranteed to like go off for like 25 versus us next game (laughs) You're not wrong. That's just that's just the way things go. And he he was a main he was a he was a player last year. I think we talked about this before, but um he's he was a big component of the comeback that the Nets had versus us. Oh um and he hit that dagger over her over Grimes from deep three point range. That game was so annoying. Very. Um but yeah. <clears throat> Um, I think we can end things here. 
Um, good discussion, good win for the Knicks, bouncing back after that loss to Philly. Um, that we probably shouldn't have lost in the first place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll be back after the Nets game. Um, on Monday at MSG. Um, we got links to everything stricken related in the description. We got links to the site, merch, Patreon, and Twitter, all great ways to support us. We are also on Instagram at the strict.land. Um, you know, a way to get our your Nick's fix on Instagram if you're not on any other social media or any other way to, you know, connect with us. That is one way. Um, make sure you guys leave a like and subscribe as we are on our way to 1k sub so all that you do helps us with the youtube algorithm um so we'll catch you guys on monday everybody enjoy the super bowl tomorrow um hopefully whoever you're rooting for wins and you make some money off of it peace Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.